passages, what makes the most holy. The Old Testament scripture this morning is Psalm 84, and the New Testament lesson is Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. Our New Testament lesson comes from Jesus talking again at the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Listen for what God is speaking to you today. Jesus says this, And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty praises as empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Here ends the reading. Please join me in a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, Sacred Spirit, you make places holy, you make hearts holy. We pray you would make the space within us as a church community and as individuals to make it holy. Dwell within us as we ponder these words of scripture and shape us and our world to become more sacred. Amen. What makes a place holy? Since human cultures have came, come into being, we have created and recognized certain sacred places, holy ground. The Celts call these the thin places. And every religion has some practice of making space that is, you know, recognizing the divine presence. You might think of Stonehenge or Uluru. Many of us grew up knowing it as Ayers Rock, but it now has the name from the indigenous peoples there. The sacredness of Mecca or the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. What makes a place holy? For the biblical Israelites, the holy place was the temple at Jerusalem. And faithful people would sing this psalm that Bonnie helped read today, Psalm 84, about this particular holy place. This place we see in verse 1 is Yahweh's dwelling place, like, like, like God's house. More specifically, it was known as the place that God sits. So even if you can't see God, you kind of have God's footstool, and that was believed to be at the temple and above the Ark of the Covenant. 
And so the Psalms sing of how lovely it is and how the faithful want to be there or if they live far away, to go there. And they talk about going to the courtyard of this place. A little bit of uh, biblical archaeology, um, architecture. Uh, in the temple, there was an outer courtyard, an inner courtyard, and then there was the Holy of Holies. So the Holy of Holies was the space that was the closest to God's presence. It was behind a curtain and could only be entered by the high priest on the highest of holy days. But out in the courtyard, more general people might be welcome. And for the psalmist, being in the courtyard was being pretty darn close. And then you hear about these birds, these sparrows who find a home. And the scholars, as I was reading about this psalm, are saying this is almost in a tone of jealousy. Well, the sparrows get to hang out in the temple, but I live really far away. The sparrows get to sing those songs in the rafters. They're the ones who are close to this holy place. And I'm a little jealous of them. And then further along, on verse 10, visiting and being in this place, in the courts, is better than a thousand elsewhere. This particular place was so special, it was more special than any other place. What makes a place holy? In 2019, I had the privilege to travel to Israel and Palestine with three of my good women clergy friends, a trip to the Holy Land. And some of you I know have been there as well. Sometimes they describe visiting the Holy Lands as experiencing the fifth gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, God, and the land that is there. And I truly am grateful to have walked along the Sea of Galilee and to have been in Jerusalem, a city that is claimed by three major monotheistic religions, and to go near the Temple Mount. It's a holy place. It is also, as you know from the news, a highly contentious place, and sometimes even a place of violence. What makes a place holy. In the midst of all those travels in the Holy Land, I remember going to the Church of the Nativity. And each of the churches in, in some of these holy sites, they kind of get run by a different order or subset. These, the Franciscans are kind of over here, and the Salesians are over here. And I remember being at the Church of the Nativity, which is in Bethlehem, the place of Jesus' birth. And you go down this narrow stairway with a crowd of other people speaking many different languages. And, and there on the floor, they've put like this silver star. Have you been there? Right? Yeah. They put the silver star, and, and the tradition of pilgrims is to, is to then t you know, reach down and touch this silver star because that's supposed to be the place, the actual place where Jesus was born. Boom! And then there's this guy standing next to him with an offering basket. You know? And I go, 
What makes a place holy? And then I wonder, does it have to be a place that is so far away or with a building on top of it? After all, Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room. Shut the door. It makes me think about Betty Trinarud. When I met Betty at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church, she was already in her 80s, no longer able to come and attend worship. She'd be at a couple of Bible studies as her body allowed her. But she was one of those prayer warrior faithful women. And she was already living in an assisted living facility, you know, where other people would cook her meals and folks would check on her meds and that was the right place for her to be. And so she had downsized from a rather large house to maybe like a one-bedroom apartment. Within her one-bedroom apartment, though, she had her, you know, her little dining area and her little couch and she had one particular chair. She called this her prayer chair. And her worn Bible was sitting on a table next to it. And when she would wake up and want to speak to God and listen to God and read scripture, she would sit in that chair. What makes a place holy? also wonder about all these places, does it have to be beautiful? I got fascinated by this story from the 99% Invisible podcast describing a particular site in beautiful downtown Oakland, California. In fact, there's the story of an Oakland resident, his name was Dan Stevenson, and he lived in the middle of Oakland, kind of at the corner of 11th Avenue and East 19th Street. And he got used to being in the middle of the city, and he's not the type who's going to call the cops and go, there's a prostitute there, and there's a drug dealer there. But he drew the line at the frustration of dumping, where people would you know, throw a mattress out on this corner, like right across the street from his house. And no amount of signage, no dumping here, seemed to stop this dumping that kept happening on this concrete divider. And so Dan Stevenson kept calling the city, right? Okay, I practically became friends with whoever was on the other end of the line. It was so regular that we had to call them. So he and his wife, Lou, back in 2007 had discussed their options. They, they decided to try something kind of unusual. They would install a statue of Buddha. When they were asked by an interviewer, why, why Buddha? They said, oh, we're thinking Buddha would be less controversial. You know, Buddha was, Buddha's, Buddha's neutral. So his wife went to the hardware store, went to the garden section, picked out a Buddha, right? Brought it home, Dan drilled into it, put some epoxy, put some rebar, and he stuck it 
on the median, right? So nobody else could move it there, and it couldn't get stolen or moved. And for a time, the Buddha, the, the, the Ace Hardware Buddha, just sat there unmoving and unchanging. But a couple months later, Dan noticed it had been painted white. And then there were small offerings of coins and oranges at the foot of the Buddha. Five years later, Buddha was set up on a pedestal and painted gold. And eventually, somebody came by and built a house for the Buddha. <laughs> it turns out that members of Oakland's Vietnamese Buddhist community had adopted this Buddha, specifically a woman named Vina Vo, five feet tall. But she had learned these traditional Buddhist mantras, and she would get up in the morning and go and walk and pray at this spot. Now tourists come and visit the Buddha. <laughs> City authorities went, we didn't approve this. <laughs> but the community pushed back. I mean, there's no longer trash in that spot. Maybe we can't attribute it to the Buddha, but the crime has gone down in the neighborhood. What makes a place holy? When I write my sermons, many of you know I don't come in here to the office. I get a little too distracted. So I wrote this sermon sitting in my house. I've got a poeing chair from Ikea. I've got a little house plant. But, it, but I sit in front of the window where the, the rising eastern light streams in. It's a place where I've got my journal on this side and a bunch of pens and it gets kind of messy and maybe the book that I'm reading. But that becomes the place that I go, that I can stop in the middle of everything else going on and to say, okay, God, I want to open your scriptures in this place and to hear you. I don't think there's anything magical about this corner of my house, but it does seem like it's now become an established and special place. What makes a place holy? I do think it's different for different people, and so I would invite just a few of you to share if you have a particular place that you have found that is holy. Maybe it was someplace far away on a trip, but maybe it's somewhere closer. Where is a holy place for you? You heard some of my thoughts, but... Yeah, Lauren. <laughs> the seat in front of the television. Yeah? yeah? A lot of time there. And it's sacred. <laughs> Nobody bothers you there? Yeah. What makes a place holy? Yeah. Watch it. Watch the game today, right? 
Somebody up there had one. Yeah. You kind of cue this. Is this one? You kind of cue this on this earlier. Oh, there we go. Um, this choir loft is holy to me and most of us, all of us, I hope, sitting here. Um, because holy means set apart, right? And so this is where we come and we're set apart to prepare to worship God and lead worship. Yeah. Yeah. So this space, that's holy space. One more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe two more. Down in Southern California, behind San Bernardino, is Mount San Gorgonio. Mm -hmm. This is one heck of a hike to get to the top. Mm -hmm. On top of that mountain, chained to a very large boulder, is an old ammunition box. And in that ammunition box is a little log that has only names in it, and the cover says, You've come here to pray. Ah. Well, I was going to say my, my brown couch in my living room has one corner or part of the couch where the cushion is really, like, indented now. It's kind of like this trough. And my daughters tell me that that's, like, not a good thing. But um, every morning I come out there before the sun comes up, and I have my three devotion books and I all that stuff and I have my coffee and I put it behind the couch and then I watch the sun come up and in the winter I can see the sun coming up behind the Sierra Nevada mm. but it's a very special place because just so many mornings have been spent there and so many sunrises and so many cups of coffee shared with God mm. Mm. thank you pass that over to Donna thank you I have my devotion every morning in a very special chair, yeah. uh, and I have for years, but it's a chair my husband passed away in, and I feel really close to being there. Mm. And this morning, uh, right now, the sun is coming over my shoulder into that, but that's where I have all my special things, and they are always waiting for me no matter when, but especially in the morning. Yeah. 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 Often my car in the driveway. Your car a, in the driveway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before I come in, just take a minute. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The car in the driveway. The seat in front of the television. Here, pass that down to a. So. Um, it's okay that I say this because I asked my mother-in-law, who was a devout Lutheran, and um, she gave me the okay. So, um, many, many years ago, I um, I'm not a great prayer. I'm not one who can sit and focus like that. And and what I asked her, and she may not even remember it. We were just first dating. Was um, I prefer that when I'm walking? in the sunlight, or I'm at Mount Lassen, or I'm in my backyard, or I'm on, sitting on my front deck, and I see things of beauty that I talk with God, yeah. or, or thank Him mainly. Um, those are times of thanks that I believe can be anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't have to be a, a, a spot that, I'm, that I frequent. Um, so that's my thought, is mm -hmm. just um, 
Walking in beauty. Yeah, walking in beauty, nature. Anyone else? Yeah. I guess my holy ground is an oak tree down the lane on the farm where I grew up. Everybody knew that that oak tree, you know, where it was, people would meet there, and when I'd walk to the next farm to meet somebody, or they would come to my, we'd meet at the oak tree. And I went back there years later, and people in town said, you know, your oak tree has been cut down. <laughs> so I got a slice off of the stump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so then you have a bit of that in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of these holy places that I've talked about in my message and that you all have talked... Is this on? There we go. You all have talked about as well Some of them were created and marked by you. Some of them were already there. This making space for God, this question of what makes a place holy, I believe has some of that intentionality. I want to meet God in this place, and I am open to God meeting me in this place. The Godly Play curriculum talks about times that God comes close to us and we come close to God and somehow then we know more about what God wants. I have an invitation for you, for those of you for whom it was hard to think about a holy place, that you might keep your eyes out this week for where that might be, whether it's on a walk, maybe it is a corner of your house that is not yet carved out, maybe it is another place of worship nearby your work or on a commute that you know you could stop. Because we as incarnational embodied human beings, we need, we do need space. Not just spiritual space and heart space, but actual physical space where indeed we do recognize that God is close and places that we can pause, make space for God, breathe in God's loving kindness, and then bring that into the world. At the conclusion of today's service, we'll give you a gift that will help you do that. Let us then sing and pray and be holy. You have been listening to Community Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Community Presbyterian Church and its ministries, come visit us at 2800 Georgia Street in Vallejo, California. Or visit our website, cpcvallejo.org. You can also email us at cpcvallejo at sbcglobal.net. Have a blessed day.